What do you mean? I thought it was 9 o'clock everywhere. Me, 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 boo. I live in New York. Me, 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 me. Hello? Good morning, sir. How are you? Good morning, Colonel. How are you this morning? <laughs> pretty, pretty good, I think. I think. Excellent. It's a rainy, windy, wet, blustering, moist, breezy morning in San Francisco. <laughs> the sky is crying and howling. Hoo-hoo. Hoo-hoo. <laughs> so what's Torrents up? of rain in the crepe myrtle are coming in nicely this year. You, you have been doing a lot of stage work recently, it seems. I have, but I also have developed uh, apparently a very peculiar condition okay. where I try to impersonate uh, the great uh, uh, baseball announcer, Red Barber, and it comes out sounding like, uh, like somebody it. with somebody with brain damage who's trying to do a little bit of uh, Shakespeare. May he now survive this national gentleman's condition. What's... Gentlemen now abed shall think themselves accursed <laughs> and hold their manhoods cheap that they want to hear with us who fought upon St. Crispin's Day. Wow. <sighs> Yep, 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 yep. I've tried several times to memorize the whole thing, and I, I only ever remember the parts that make me cry. Is Henry that the fifth? Henry the fifth. <laughs> it seems like you've done two, two different things on yeah. stage at least since the last time that we did a show. Be he so vile, uh, things on stage. Okay, I'll bite. What have I done? Well, you did something with John. I thought he was in. He was in town, our, our uh, friend John I Roderick did something uh, with uh, John, I thought, a couple, couple three weeks ago. Three weeks. He came to, a few weeks ago, came to town for the uh, SF Sketchfest, which iOS corrects to SF Sketchiest. <laughs> and uh, we did some live uh, therapy comedy for people. That sounds great. And then you did something, the thing that you do with Scott Simpson, I think. Oh, yes. I guess I do appear in public. Yes. 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 Uh, Scott Simpson and I – actually, this is awesome and it sucks. Uh, Scott Simpson and I do a thing the second Wednesday of every month at a place called uh, Lost Weekend Video here in town. They have something called the Comedy Basement, uh, which is a wonderful fire trap that should not be selling alcohol. Uh, I wouldn't mention that except to say uh, that place is closing down. That's, closing that down. stinks. Oh, it really stinks. Not it's, like you guys shut it down, but like it's actually closing. Looks good on you. <laughs> Uh, no, it sucks, man. So last weekend, there's been two places in San Francisco that at least as long as I've been here have been the, the scions of like renting videos. Understandably, not a growth business, but last weekend in a place in the inner sunset called La Video. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, it used to be where you would go for your, uh, you know, hipster indie foreign VHS and then later DVDs and some Blu-rays and La Video shut down in December. Now last weekend is shutting down, I think in... I think in March or April. Sucks. Flax. Flax is shutting down. Flax is going to be condos. Everything's condos now. Flax. Flax. Over 10,000 square feet of art supplies in the heart of the city across the street from the Brazilian steak place. Shutting down. Shutting down. Why? Condo. Condos. Just condos. Oh, yeah. Condos. Everything's Not like they now. weren't. I mean, they, if they were doing a killer business, maybe they would have said no. Well, your business needs to be pretty killer when they double or triple your rent. Oh, that's the thing that happens is they go, you know what? This is nice that you've been selling art supplies to uh, artists and children for many years. But, you know, what we need here is condos. So we're going to make condos here. You you go you go over to a different place. Mm. So they're opening a place in Oakland and they have a place at Fort Mason here in town. I'm sorry. I'm going on. It's frustrating. This place is terrible. It's an awful, awful city. Uh, and so, yeah, I did that. Uh, new video for a view look nice today uh, surfaced this week. That's kind of exciting. Ooh. Yep. 
Yep. So yeah, yeah, it's weird. It's weird. Uh, yeah, live appearances. It's it's fun. It's fun. I I feel like I wish I could do it a little more regularly to get better at it because you need to do it. Doing it like second Wednesday of the month and having drinks doesn't make you better at it. I need to do it as a practice. But at what point? I mean, like, who, how much would you need to do it to feel like like you were improving each time? That's a good question. I mean, I think it's it could go whether that's writing or development you know, programming or exercise or whatever it is, like the more that you make it a locked in habit, you do at least a couple times a week is good. And I mean, I, you know, Scott Simpson is, uh, it's, it's crazy what he does. I mean, I don't know if people follow what Scott has done since he, since he left the paper company, but he, Scott <laughs> is a stand up comic now. And that does not mean that Scott just, you know, just goes out and, and shoots the poop at a bar. Scott performs every single night. Really? Like, every night. Uh, I think, or close uh, to it. Well, I mean, I, I when he said he goes out every night, I thought he meant like both weekend nights. But for example, when we were at XOXO, he uh, he went out to find an open mic that night. Like it, this, it's a thing that he does every night. He takes it really seriously. It's pretty. It's pretty impressive. You, so I I I guess I had a misunderstanding about what an open mic night was. For me, that kind of meant like someone who'd never done it before or who was sort of an amateur and wanted to just kind of try it but in fact from what you're saying now in front of i've heard about uh, more very recently that no in fact yes that might be that kind of person it means anyone can go up but frequently those are people who are do, doing this or trying to do this for a living who are going to those yeah well i don't claim to know the industry i i find the comedy performance business uh personally utterly opaque and very unappealing as a as a way to spend your life it's yeah. really rough it's super rough um it's one thing to be like a funny guy who goes out and does something when they feel like it but like it's wow it takes dedication so i think i mean i, I you have to ask scott but my understanding is that like he has regular shows he does at places like the last weekend video that's going away um there are venues that will have comedy like thus and such times per month you get a regular event like I did an event at last weekend with my friend Jeremy who does kind of sort of like an MST3K thing, but with old TV shows, there are people who do things like that. But then there's like can't stand up sort of showcases. You might host a night of comedy. I think there's that kind of stuff. Uh, there is the odd thing that most of us are aware of, which would be something like a showcase like Sketchfest or Bridgetown right, Comedy right. Festival or whatever. And then there's just a lot of getting in wherever you can and being like the, the middle or even opening person you know, and as you kind of rise in stature, you might get to kind of, you know, but you know, it's, it's not like you become Louis CK in three months. And then, I mean, I'm guessing, but I think the idea of the open mic thing is that you're, you're getting in front of an audience that's never seen you. You've never seen them. Maybe you're trying new material. Maybe you're trying to really tighten up the material you've mm -hmm. got. But yeah, I, I think, I mean, is, really, the, is the end goal to be like a Louis CK or to be like a, you you know I I mean like a like a like a Seinfeld I mean what's the what's sort of the the end goal? I know about as much about that as I do about a startup a tech startup. Where like you know you meet somebody who's got some like so I'll have you know the occasional call with a friend who's doing a new new app or a new service and I'll be like so what do you what are you are you gonna sell this or like and they're like oh no we're gonna be -de 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 -de, it's gonna be a whole thing <laughs> and like yeah of course you've got to say that you've got to act like it's gonna be that whereas and so with comedy people I'll say like so I I don't know much about how this works is the idea to get like a writing gig like yeah. somebody like Allison right, uh, like right Agosti. on the Simpsons or Saturday Night Live or something 
But like people I, I know from the when Twitter was good, like who got famous for being funny on Twitter, some of them were people who were doing improv or stand up. Um, but then they got kind of well known for having a funny Twitter. So somebody like Allison ended up writing for Seth Meyers. Uh, she's, I think maybe she wrote for Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I, I only catch glimpses of what her actual work is. But, you know, all the way you got people like uh, Megan Whatserhead, who's like a big shot now, or somebody like Tim Seidel. These are people who are like out doing like, you know, comedy stuff for pay. So I don't know. I think, I, I honestly don't know. I, I think there's an element of um, just wanting more opportunities as a result of your opportunities. So who knows what it becomes? But I... The weird part is, like, I don't think there's that many people who are very dedicated to it who have an exit strategy that's as specific as get a Netflix show for two seasons. Right. Or get a, you know, get a writing gig on, you know, a new Dan Harmon property or something like that. Um, I, I don't, I don't know. It's, um, it's a very anxiety producing exercise to me. And, and it's, you know, I don't know. I, I, I honestly, I'm not. I, I, I sound like I'm slagging the entire industry, which I kind of am. But like having gone to things like comedy festivals with you look nice today, it's a strange environment. People who do co- comedy are really, really weird, and some of them are like, I don't know. It, it, it can be pretty vicious as, a, as an industry. So I don't know. I, I think it's pretty impressive. Anybody who goes out and does that every day to get out in front. I mean, like to me, like I say, like I, I have never like studied improv, but right. I'm comfortable riffing with people. Whereas, like, the idea of having, like, trying to build up, like, a 20-minute set that's really good over, like, six months or a year, uh, that w- I would lose my mind trying to do that. You know, I was talking to Scott a little bit about this at XOXO, and I think it was during the, the panic, the cool panic party. And I was like, what, what does it mean to be doing what you're doing? Like, what, what, is, what is that? Like, what, what do you do in the day? And, of course, he said, I, I don't know what I do. But, you know, when we talked about it more... You know, every single day, like he's, he's writing material, he's working on stuff. He's, you know, he's going out and, and like, he's not practicing, or at least the impression I got was that, that the way he's pra- practiced to him is actually going out and performing, not like at home in front of a mirror, like we might practice a talk that we have to give, you know, like practice for him is going out and trying this material out in front of people. And man, that, that seems like it would take a lot of guts to just go and do that every day. Try something new, not sure if it's going to work, not sure if it's going to be funny, and just put yourself out there like that. It seems like it would require a special kind of person. Oh, I totally agree. I, I, and I also agree that it is, it's really impressive and I think very brave. Um, you know, we, uh, we've talked before about how many people have all this anxiety about any kind of a yeah. public appearance down to like speaking at a meeting. So, you know, to begin with, you have to have the kind of personality where you're willing to get up in front of a bunch of strangers who are there to be entertained. And as a stranger, try to not just like tell a joke that makes them laugh, but to have them buy into your persona as a comic. Uh, and I, I, I just keep wanting to bracket. Like I, I, this is all just from observation. I don't actually know exactly how this works, right. but Yes, you, you, you have to, you have to like, it seems like there's so many levels to this. There's the whole thing of like meeting other comics and finding out who you're simpatico with, who you could do like a show with. There's that kind of stuff. There's like meeting. I think, I think one of the pinatas is to find like a booking agent. I think that's the first big jump is to find somebody who can get you gigs, uh, preferably obviously paying gigs, but that's, that's a pretty big deal. But you also want to have the respect of of your of your you know your fellow comics, and I don't know. Um, sometimes I'll end up watching uh, one of the mini comedy specials on Netflix, like 
I didn't know much about John Mulaney except I had heard like how bad his TV show was supposedly <laughs> his Seinfeld ish show. And I, I went into it again, not knowing anything about the guy. I didn't know anything about him except that, Oh, he was like a laughing stock for this show. Then I watched two of his specials on Netflix and he is one of the most gifted stand up comics I've ever seen. Uh, and I, I was, I felt bad that I had like bought into all of that, you know, public pillory about his, you know, schadenfreude about his show. Well, screw those guys. The guy is so polished and so funny and he plays the audience like a fiddle mm. and just, just amazing, uh, to watch. And so to me though, when I watch somebody like that, it's amazing how, if they're good, how quickly I disappear into their act and stop notice, noticing that they're a comedian and just you know, enjoy like, forget it and enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's another guy. You know what? Actually, I want to look up the name of this comic I'm thinking of. Could you tell me about something you like? I sure can. Let me tell you about our friends over at Harry's. Listen, it's 2016, Merlin. 2016. It is a new year. And you know what? My New Year's resolution this year, and I know we both, every year we make them, we talk about them on the show, is that I'm no longer going to overpay for a great shave. That is the Mm -hmm. kind of, I think even you would approve of that New Year's resolution. Not going to do it. You won't do it? Not going to do it. Not going to overpay. <laughs> not going to do it. No. And you don't have to. So listen, I just got a brand because, you know, I like, I like to keep up to date. We have a sponsor. I try to, you know, I try to get in. I try to really get in their brain. I try to get, get in inside. Head. You like to live inside their brand for just a little put while. Put their skin on. Walk around Get inside. It. Put on the Tyvek suit and the, and the gloves and get in <laughs> yeah. there and really just feel the walls. Are they feel sticky? Is it, are, are they abundant? Like, what can I learn about this brand vis-a-vis value for the uh, consumer? Right. And I like to, I like to, as you say, play the customer by becoming like them. I want to be like our listeners. So I will take receipt of an order and I got the starter kit from Harry's. And what is that like? What do you get? What is a starter kit that you're going to pay 15 or actually with our coupon uh, $10 for? What is it? You get a razor. Now the... It's not like a regular razor. It's a nice razor. Actually, somebody wanted to it to feel good when you shave. They wanted the razor to feel like you should be holding it, not like it's something that uh, a child who's trying to correct their handwriting might hold. And re- remember those those pencils when you were a kid? Did you have that? Did you have the bad handwriting? I had the bad oh my my hand my handwriting was was atrocious. It was and they give you those big husky pencils. Right, it was like I, clearly you have problems. Use this large pencil. They gave me a strange pencil that had like a weird rubber grip on it that did nothing but make my handwriting worse. And they said, "Well, hmm. this will correct your handwriting." I said, "It will make it worse," and it did. That's what like a regular razor feels like. These are not like that. They're wonderful. The handles are really nice. And then talk about the blades. They give you these great blades, and this is the best part. They sell their blades at like half the price of like a leading brand like you might find in a, in, a, in a Target or something like that. And they're better blades. Why pay like 32 bucks for an eight pack of blades when you can get them for half the price at Harry's? So for your, for your $15, you get this great razor. You get their moisturizing shaving cream, which is a wonderful smell. And three razor blades. Three razor blades. But here's the thing. They're giving our listeners $5 off. You don't have to get the starter kit. You can use it for for something else on your first purchase if you want, but I recommend the starter kit. The code you're going to use is COMICS, and you go to Harry's, H-A-R-R-Y-S, harrys.com. Code is COMICS. You'll get this great starter kit for 10 bucks. You can't go wrong with it. I think you're going to love it. I love it. Thank you very much to Harry's 
for supporting 5 by 5 and Merlin Mann's Back to Work program. Um, Bok Bok, you know, I saw something go by on Twitter uh, <laughs> a week or two ago, and I, I don't normally respond to people. No. But uh, somebody made some kind of like a, I thought, fairly lazy crack about, you know, oh, you know, oh, great. So here's these guys, t- you know, talking about this sponsor. And do you, did you see this one that went by? But the, the people were like sort of I, cranky about how we were talking about the idea of using these these blades once. And I couldn't decide oh, if it was. A, it did see that. Was it like a class issue? Like what was the, what was the thrust of their of their of their point? I don't I don't know. I tried not to get too sucked into it but yeah it seemed like they were upset at the idea that we we might only be using a razor blade once when or, or like we were like sort of that it was ended up being some kind of crack on the quality of the blade or something and yeah. it's like this is not part of the ad but just, let me just say uh you know here's the thing you can use stuff in life however you want <laughs> and if i use stuff <laughs> differently from you that doesn't diminish you right does that make you feel better you can use however you want. You can use whatever you want, however you want. What I'm trying to tell you is I hate shaving mm-hmm. and I hate getting that dumb neck acne because I'm trying to be a cheapskate with an old bick. <laughs> yeah. I'm not an animal. And so, uh, yeah, I use them. Like I say, I end up using them about one and a half per shave in the aggregate. But that's why I buy those. If you want to, if you want to treasure your like $9 blades and treat them like some family heirloom, by all means do that. Uh, but you know, this is, this is a terrific product. And if you're sick of being punked out by these dumb brands that sell you these things for twice as what they need to cost, you you need to, you need, you need to get your head around this idea of the Tyvek suit. Get inside of Harry's and live in there in a while. Yeah, just try it on. (sighs) Harry's. Uh, I discovered this on my Netflix, uh, a few nights ago. I was looking around, and I, I somehow made it through all of the marijuana documentaries, and the documentaries about food. There are many of these, and uh, sometimes I'll see a comedy thing, and I'll look at the rating on it, and if it's over like a three and a half rating, because let's be honest, Netflix ratings are pretty inflated already. And this uh, show that I saw uh, from someone I'd never heard of had uh, just under five stars, and I was like, what? That's crazy. Stuart Lee's Comedy Vehicle. Now, this is going to be another one of those things where, where I mention this and everyone in England goes, oh, great, thanks. Oh, thanks. Have you heard of the band Led Zeppelin? Oh, governor. Uh, so this guy, Stuart Lee, has this show. I think it's oh, a show. Oh, he's the comics guy, the one that does the uh, Marvel. He did Batman. Mm-hmm. He did Batman. Yeah, you know, image comics guy. Is that what you're thinking of? Yeah, that's exactly what I'm thinking He's of. the one who did the sexy X-Men, the sex-men. Right. The uncanny uh, sex-men. Uncanny Sex Man. He did the relaunch in 91 when uh, Magneto was living on a meteor. And the thing I like about him is he puts himself in the movies. He puts him. Oh, are you kidding me? Oh, that's one of the best things. He's like the Alfred Hitchcock of Batman comics. Yeah, just walk. He does what they call walking. Yep, yep, yep. Waddle by. (laughs) So Stuart Lee's comic vehicle. uh, You know, here's what I'm going to say. I'm going to say just go go watch this. There's three series, as they say, of it. The one on Netflix is the third, the most recent one. I think it's from just just a few years ago. Um, and I, hmm, I want to talk about it because it's, you know what? I'm going to table the discussion of this show and just say, if you enjoy comedy stuff, especially if you enjoy kind of smart comedy and meta comedy stuff, go watch Stuart Lee's comedy vehicle. You can just watch the first episode. Uh, the, my only spoiler will be that there's uh, it's mostly stand up, but it features some segments within and in between the stand up parts featuring uh, one of my favorite comics of all time named Chris Morris, the guy who did Brass Eye and the guy who did uh, 
the whatchamacallit this week's show. Anyway, and so uh, Armando Iannucci, uh, the guy who did On the Hour with, uh, with uh, Chris Morris, is the executive producer of this show. He's also the guy who does Veep. He's the guy who did okay. uh, uh, In the Loop and all that stuff. Armando Iannucci, one of the great uh, British geniuses. I'm going to say for next week, maybe I'll come back and, and I want to see what you guys think, you people think of Stuart Lee's comedy vehicle, but I would like you to go watch uh, episode one of Stuart Lee's comedy vehicle, and then we'll come back and talk about it. But uh, it just gets to this point of, you know, he, because what he does is it is, it is funny. It is meta funny. It's meta meta funny. There's lots of callbacks. There's lots of self-reference, which I happen to love. British people are so good at that. And, um, but it makes you when you watch somebody doing that well and with control and unlike me, they're not laughing at their own jokes. You watch somebody do that and you realize that this is funny and this is a performance and it takes an incredible amount of skill to make this funny performance feel like something that this person is saying for the first time where you're watching them be awkward on stage in a way that is completely artful. And like if you start I don't, again, I don't want to ruin comedy for you by saying always look for the, you know, the scaffolding, but it makes you appreciate it even more to go, wow, that, what that guy pulls off is a very high level of difficulty. It's not just, you know, coming out and talking about like women and farts or something like that. Like there's a lot. And when this guy does a fart joke or this guy does a poop joke, it is the most sophisticated long form poop joke you've ever heard in your life. <laughs> and it's, uh, it's like some roll on bar stuff. So comedy's fun. I mean, yeah, it's something that when I, I was, uh, you know, I'm I'm used to talking to you on on this show, and it's not often that I get to see you up on a on a stage. And I've been trying to think of how many times I've seen you do something fun up on a stage. And I'm not talking about the ones I've seen in video, but the ones I've seen in person. And I think it was just the one you look nice today that you did at XOXO, and I I couldn't believe it that in all these years, that's the only time I've seen you on stage. In real life. And I've got to tell you, it was it was great. And for those who haven't seen Merlin, like, go see him. He's oh, fantastic. Come on. He's fantastic. Oh, thanks. You don't need to say that. It was yeah. the, it was the be- it was the highlight of the whole entire uh, trip for me. Uh, that's not true. It is. Absolutely. But, I've told many people that. Mm, I will put that show in notes because I actually do think that turned out pretty it was okay. Well. Really, really great. Really, it's called, fun. Par- it's called Parlor Parlor, and uh, it, the the I think that was a pretty good show. Yeah. Well, we we really with you look nice today. As long as we're making the show all about me for once, um, um, that was a joke, Dan. No, I mean I I'm just I I feel like I don't know how to say this without getting weird, but like it was <laughs> good luck keeping me from getting weird. No, it, it was just it was really great and it it made me realize that like you belong up doing that kind of thing like it's if you're not if i'm not saying you should be like doing stand-up because it wasn't stand-up but it was some kind of live performance thing and you're just really really good at that and incredibly entertaining and it, it doesn't matter who you're up there with or what you're doing but like you're very very good up there Oh, well, if you really believe that, that's a super nice compliment. I really, absolutely well, mean it. Thank you, thank you. I don't, I don't feel weird about that. I feel very grateful that you would say that. It's, uh, but you know, okay. So here's where it maybe is a little bit back to work. Is that you know, with you look nice today. <clears throat> so you look nice today is a podcast with uh, Adam Lescore and Scott Simpson and me that we did starting in maybe 2008 or something like that. And uh, the funny part was, like, we 
this is a somewhat twice told story, but it's maybe worth repeating. And the show got like pretty popular for what it was. I would say it is like, you know, as cult things go, it was pretty popular. It's not like, you know, giant, but the thing that made that show feel somewhat fully formed fairly quickly is that we recorded maybe two, at least two and maybe three episodes and threw them out because, because we just didn't think it was right yet. And here's the thing is that Scott and Adam and I met through Twitter back when Twitter was good. And uh, when people would try to be funny on Twitter instead of sad and we, um, and we (laughs) met through there, we became friends and we said, and so I don't know if you know this, but so you know what the original idea was? No, we were going to do a weekly podcast about stuff we thought was funny on Twitter the previous week. It was originally (laughs) going to be like a a recap show. Really? Uh, yeah. Well, we knew we wanted to do a podcast. We hoped it was funny, but the roughly, I mean, the, the very original concept, which changed very quickly, was that it was going to be like stuff we thought was funny on Twitter. Like, oh, John Moltz said something that was funny, or like Sween said something that was funny, or, you know, whatever. <clears throat> and it, it, didn't, it was not funny. It was, I mean, it was, it was really, really dumb. And all of the shucking and jiving and awkwardness, it took us maybe two or two and a half episodes to realize that it was the shucking and the jiving and the awkwardness. That it was, was good, funny. right? <laughs> well, that if well, here's the way to put it. I don't, I don't know if it's good. I don't know if it's funny. But like, I do think there is the kinetic and potential energy when it comes to something like entertainment. And like the the potential energy is like, my God, do not try to make something that will please everybody. Make something that you would laugh at. In the case of humor, make something that makes you that seems thoughtful to you and your friends. And like, that's that's the to me that's the lighthouse. That's the you know that's the thing to follow. Is like, is this in my wheelhouse, as they say? And so, you know, to me, uh, that's, I mean, it's not the perfect uh, guide, but like, if you feel like it's stagnating or you feel like it's lame or you feel like it's, you know, not what you want it to be, well, then, like, how could you, how would you know if it's going well? You'd have to guess if it's going well yeah. if you don't think it's entertaining. So, anyway, that, that was the thing with that. But I guess the second part is like, the idea of doing that kind of entertainment for a living is so scary to me because I get a pass, right? I get to be like, I could always chuck and jive and go like, oh, no, no, I'm actually this other person. I do this other thing. Oh, I do this thing. But like somebody who says, oh, I'm a professional comedian, like you better be funny. Like your relatives are going to go, say something funny. Do something. Make fun of me. <laughs> What's funny about me? And then you got to go do that. Or like, you know, you're in line at the DMV and they're like, so what do you do? Oh, I'm a stand-up comic. Oh, yeah, well, what's funny? Tell me something you do that's funny. It's like, you can't do that. You got to understand the room and you got to understand the material. And it's, I don't know. I think it's harrowing. That would scare me so much to try and do that. Yeah. And, you know, and here, but you actually, something you referred to, I don't know, probably 15, 20 minutes back, is that sense of like, if you've ever gone to an open mic where one of the frat brothers comes up there, <laughs> he's like, yeah, here's an, here's an impression of my friend Chucky. He's a real dumbass. Right. He's like, Because his frat brothers have been telling him that he's a riot for like two years. <laughs> and it, it's like being funny to your family or being funny in context, being funny in a given situation it can, it can certainly kick something off if you're if you're deeply broken inside like i am comedy <laughs> is a great thing to seek out right. that's no there's nobody in comedy who's healthy um but the idea of like getting up there and having to be like when you see things like uh, documentaries of seinfeld or whatever and you learn about like just the 
how much you have to like refine your material and then sit there and listen to cassette tapes or watch videos of yourself and like say, oh, you know, I could do this slightly differently and then have to go and try it. That's, could you do that? No. Like point blank. It's amazing. Like I, I could absolutely not do that. I don't, I like, we've talked about this. I, I never have a problem getting up in front of folks and talking um, or or hosting stuff or whatever. Like that's always been really fun for me. I remember being becoming aware of that when I was like, I think I was in some play, Peter Pan, something like that, when I was like about seven or eight years old. And I was like the little brother who runs around with the teddy bear. And I got up on stage. Oh, that's and, uh, not Michael. It's uh, is it Michael? It was a little one. Little, little guy. Yeah. He's a cute one in the nightshirt. Yeah, I did that. And oh, nice. It was uh you know, but like doing something like that, I just remember it felt like it was just a lot of fun and I had such positive feelings about it and in other little plays and things and I just always enjoyed it. But that to me is so different f- because it's not it's not about being funny in the same way. It's not about having an it's not about you know what I mean. It's it's not just you up there all by yourself doing something with with one goal, and that is to to be funny to other people. Because sense of, a sense of humor is so so different among different people, and knowing what's going to work and the timing. We I think we talked about Steve Martin's book Born Standing Up, which is yeah, it's, such, great. it's a fantastic fantastic book. I, I I listened to it as an audio book when I was driving across. Read uh, by him. Texas read by him and his banjo playing it. It's just, it's amazing to kind of hear his story. And like when we were talking about the, the, like, what is the goal for, for somebody like Scott or somebody who's, who's doing this, you know, I mean, you've got to understand that back in the, I guess this is like late seventies, early eighties, Steve Martin was like filling arenas. And the idea that you could fill an arena for just people who want to see you and, because they know that you you are going to be funny and make them laugh. Like that just seems like a completely foreign concept to me. Well, yeah. Well, to me, there's like at least a couple of things that are interesting. It is a great book. We should probably put it in the show notes. And I, I would recommend listening to the audiobook because he's. Uh, we, we've talked about it several times on here, but it's it's a really really good book because um, he's a very interesting guy. He's a very sober, like he's a grown up man, and he's he is very funny. He's also uh, funny for for for. Contemporary times, he's an unusual combination of being someone who is, uh, he's very wise about, you know, like what he's learned in life, but he's not, but he's not like uh, pedantic about it, but he's also, and he also doesn't feel the need to share every single sad detail of his life. He's very, he's reserved. But I mean, so maybe three parts. One is like, it helps to remember like how he's, like the, how rough it was for him where he would drive from LA to San Francisco and sleep in the car. To perform right. at Caroline's or whatever, <laughs> but you know he wasn't always Steve Martin. He used to just be the a guy who used to be on um, the Smothers Brothers. You right. know he had he had he wasn't <laughs> it was not an easy road in the run up to 1975. But so there was that, and then he you know had he really earned his uh, he worked really really hard, and then uh, I I don't know exactly how it happened, but you know but from 75 76 70 up through even 79. He achieved something very unusual. I mean, how many people have become the kind of stand-up comedy superstar that he was? Definitely Richard Pryor. Uh, you know, probably Jerry Seinfeld, even though he's probably better known for his TV show at this sure, point. I, yeah. To me, Seinfeld's still a stand-up comic in, in my head. Um, 
there are people that achieved that. But I mean, in the 70s, who else was it? I mean, it was him and Richard Pryor. There was nobody that big. Maybe Eddie Murphy. Yeah, I was going to say Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy, I think, was. But he had gotten as big as you could get. And we knew him as the guy with the bunny ears and the arrow through his head. And to hear him talk about it, it's just like at some point he was just like, I can't do this anymore. Right. Right. So he goes from sleeping in a car to becoming a superstar to like walking away from this incredibly lucrative career to do this different thing, to be this different person. Right. So looking at something like The Jerk, The Jerk is kind of an anomaly. It's a funny <laughs> movie. It's a silly, fun movie. Right. Kind of an anomaly because that was really more like, oh, Steve, Steve Martin is this wacky comic and now he plays this goofy character. But, you know, he's always, he's collected art and he's been very interested in literature and all this stuff. And he just realized he had to pivot to being a different person in public. So, I don't know. I think it's a super interesting idea. You know, that's the thing that I I really do admire about somebody like Steve Martin is that he, if you look at what he's done, he had tried so many different things. I think we talked about it here. I think we talked about like how he experimented with magic and how he worked at you know, like, uh, and that Disney ride and how he did all these different things. And it, it's, you know, what he wound up doing, I don't think was what he had imagined that he would one day be doing. And I'm often challenged because I try so often to kind of come up with like a, a plan, not necessarily a schedule, but like a plan of like, I'm, I'm going to try and do these things. And these are my goals. And I, you know, even when I reach the goals, the path to get to them is not usually what I thought it would be. Or in some cases, you realize that that goal didn't make sense anyway. You know what I mean? And and so that's why I was trying to imagine, like, it, it seems like, like, I could tell you what I do in a given day, and I could tell you the projects that I'm working on and the things that I'm trying to accomplish. And I, I don't know why, but something like, I feel like somebody who's a stand-up uh, comic it's almost like doing art, really, like it's performance art of, of a kind. And, and that seems harder to kind of quantify and qualify, like what, what your goals are and how you're working and what you're doing. Yeah, it goes for comedy and it also it goes for everything. Uh, it could be like what you're kind of just getting at here, which is if you think about what do you want, what you want to accomplish today versus what you want to accomplish in your life. Yeah. I, I accidentally said something uh, semi-smart uh recently on this show where we were talking about the idea of the map versus the territory and i've just i don't know I, i've been i just pulled that out of my ass but i've been thinking about it a lot the idea that planning your journey based on a map is a fantastic place to start because you do get a rough idea of how far away something is but if you're not accounting for the topography uh, of where you're going and what might come up along the way you shouldn't be surprised that that journey is very difficult especially if you've never taken it before yeah. If you're trying to plan a journey in a place where you've never been, I mean, look no further than Apple Maps, right? Up here, high five. But like, it's very difficult. If you don't really know the territory, it's going to be difficult to make that journey and to know if it's going well. So, you know, to just kind of uh, build on that analogy a little bit, what you're describing, so like, let's say it's something as big as like, I'm 13 and I really like comedy and I really want to become Steve Martin so, like, you know your past, you know your feelings, you know your surroundings. So, like, you know who you are roughly now, and you know what you kind of, you have this rough idea of, yeah. like, where things have been. And then you have this idea about where you want to go, or this idea about where you want to be. And for most of us, that seems an impossibly far way away, but some people do begin that journey. It, you know, the 
the thing is, like, as soon as you start taking even the first steps into something you've never done before, you learn so much that you never could have known until you had taken even the first step. Oh, right. And this, this uh, if it's not obvious, this goes to a million things that we always end up talking about on here, about expertise and experience, for example. But, you know, I, to go back to that comedy example, there was a point when I thought I wanted to do You Look Nice, because people liked You Look Nice today. It had a, a small but very dedicated cult audience. Uh, people I really admire a lot who are famous like the show. And there was a point when I thought, I wonder, I wonder how much more seriously we should take this and what thing we could turn it into. And this is, I, I apologize. This is absolutely a slag. I don't mean it that way, but it's just the truth. It took going to maybe two comedy festivals for me to go, this is not for me. This really? Really? Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, stand up comedy people, improv people, uh, in my experience can be extremely funny people. Uh, stand up comedy people can be very funny people. A lot of comedy people are very sad and depressed and not funny in real life. And it is also extremely competitive. And even if you don't want to be kind of backstabby, it's rough. Like it is a very rough business. You want to make friends with people, but everybody's so many people in that industry are so envious of what other people have or what they perceive that they have. It just, it was like, I, I was like, this is not for me. It wasn't fun. It wasn't fun to hang around comedy people for me because I'm not a comedy person. Yeah. Like I don't belong to them. It's fun. And to them, it's funny, but it wasn't what I expected. It would be like thinking that you would go to a meeting of the people who do the voices of Hanna-Barbera characters and think that you're actually like hanging out with Deputy Dog. <laughs> no, yeah. that is a performance. Right. That is a performance that that they put out there for a living. And they can, like, I, I, and again, I would have to imagine that being in the studio when it's, say, Adventure Time is recorded is probably pretty fun. I mean, uh, John DiMaggio seems like a pretty yeah, great guy. Yeah, I yeah. mean, he seems like a uniformly, like, just a good guy. So I don't doubt, I'm not saying that there's not, like, normal funny people in this, but I, and I'm, I'm not ultimately trying to slag this industry. What I'm saying is you don't know what the industry is because you're not in the industry. And it, you don't have to go so far into an industry before you go, oh, well, this is definitely not what I expected. Same as when you're traveling and you go, oh, I had no idea I wouldn't be able to buy the latest Vogue magazine in this small town in Germany. I should have thought about that when I was looking at the map. So in that case, now what do you do? Well, you either drop out and go back or you decide to stick it out and say like, well, maybe uh, or another example. And it sounds like you haven't worked in a kitchen very much, but a kitchen is another great example of this. Uh, have you? How much food service have you done? I mean, I worked in a couple restaurants, but it wasn't it wasn't like I was, uh, you know like a chef or anything. Well, I learned this from Syracuse on the latest episode of uh, Reconcilable Differences. I don't think he's ever had a food service job at really? all. Yeah. He yeah. needs and to get one like now. So, wow. He used to clean up a retail store. Nah. Very interesting story. No, and he I, was like a, I was like a short order cook at a an Italian mainly pizza place and I did all the like, like the, the, the non-pizza dishes. So whether that could be like they're all the different subs you could do a chicken parm, eggplant parm, veal parm, that kind of thing. Spaghetti dishes. I did all that stuff. But the environment in a kitchen at most place, at many of the place, every place I've ever worked anyway, and I, this is probably different, but like it's very intense to work in a kitchen. So, I mean, let's, let's just get down to brass tacks here. You say to somebody, um, what kind of, what kind of job do you think you'd like to have? And, uh, would someone say, you know what? I would like to be in an incredibly uncomfortable, high pressure environment that doesn't pay that well, has a lot of like uh, 
abusive and substance abusing people involved in the industry. Uh, and I would like to probably start at the bottom of the ladder and get blamed for stuff that wasn't my fault because I didn't know about it. Would you like that kind of job or would you like to work in a kitchen? And it's a trick <laughs> question because I just described working in a kitchen. Right. Like nobody decides I want to become a chef. I doubt there are people become a, want to become a chef because they like food and they like cooking and maybe like they, they like the whole idea of hospitality. But like, you know, <laughs> I, I realize that like Kitchen Nightmares is not a perfect example, but watch an episode of Kitchen Nightmares because that's actually not that far off what it's like to work in a kitchen. Yeah. There are people in the kitchen where there's cooked meat and uncooked meat next to each other and things dripping uh. and deciding if they can get one more day out of this veal Oscar. <laughs> like that's a thing. That's and that nobody goes into that business going, that's where I want to be. And say, oh, no, no, no. I want to work in a nice restaurant. Okay. Well, before you worked in the nice restaurant, what crap restaurants did you work at that give you any qualifications to work in the nice restaurant? Well, I assume I'll pick that up. But you don't because you haven't walked the path yet. You have you've been you've been looking at the map and salivating and jizzing all over the map for so many years. You have no idea what the actual territory looks like. And once you step foot on that territory, it will not be long before you say, oh, it's like a game of D&D where you go like, it is like, I'm going to walk through Germany. I had not realized how cold it would be. And I can't carry all of this stuff. And I got the wrong shoes. And boy, I really should have thought about this before I started taking that walk. So in that case, with the comedy stuff, for me, it's not that hard because I didn't have that much skin in the game. It wasn't like I dropped out of college to do that or something. It can still be an avocation and a fun thing that I do. And I could say yes or no, depending on whether it's a thing I want to do. Right. But yeah, it's just that's a thought on comedy. There's a lot to uh, that, you know what I mean? Um, how do you mean? I mean, lot, 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 a lot of levels, a lot of ins, yeah, lot of outs, what, what yeah. have you? <laughs> no, I mean, if you, you could, I don't think there's anybody who's sitting there thinking. Well, I mean, maybe they are. I could be a comic. That seems like an easy thing to do. You know, it's it really doesn't. And I think there's so much to it. There's so much to the act of getting up on stage, not just to be funny, but just getting up there at all. But getting up there with your own material, like I remember I was talking to Jesse Thorne once about the kind of shows that he does. And, and I was talking to him about how I really enjoy his interviews. I think he's one of my favorite interviewers. And he said, thanks. He's like, you know, he's like, it, it's very easy for me to interview. It's very easy for me to to talk to people like that. And I said, it it, it seems like it is. I said, what other shows have you wanted to do? You know, I, well, he was being he was saying it in the way that he does, which is still very modest, but he was saying like, that's where he, the space where he thrives. But he was saying like the idea of him getting up and just speaking, just doing a show where he just talks like the shows that you, that you and I do. He's like, that's incredibly intimidating to me and I could never do it. I'm like, you've hmm. got to be kidding. He's like, no, he's like talking to somebody else. He's like, I'm fascinated by the people I'm talking to. And he's like, if I'm any good at that, it's just because I love it and because I love talking with the other people and I love being in that interview situation. He's like, if I do it well, that's why I do it. He's like, but the idea of just talking about something, he's like, I, that's really? hard. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's super interesting to me. I'm kind of surprised to hear that. I was too. I think it's, I think there's, an, the, he said it on the air too, on that old pipeline episode I did with him. I will try and dig that up. And if I can find it, I'll put it in, in, in the show notes, but <laughs> he's the last person I interviewed for uh, my video show, the Merlin show. Actually, I still have episodes that I never put out. Really? Yeah. We sat in his mom's house and, uh, and talked about uh, maximum fun <laughs> in so cool. 2007 or whatever. No way. That's yeah, great. Yeah. Yeah, he's a very interesting guy. Well, you know, again, think about your pal Johnny Carson. Um, yeah, my old, my old buddy. 
I mean, how we talk about how much we uh, admired the talk or the um, the Tonight Show. Yeah, and like you know, that was for everybody of our age. That was like the biggest thing. Like the Tonight Show was what I mean. How do you describe it? It was such a big deal. But we all know now that like Johnny Carson uh, did not. He he was very very private, very very reserved. He did not like. He did not talk to the guests. He would talk to a couple people in the crew. He was very good friends with a few people in show business. But he, the guy who was so impossibly talented at making everybody look interesting and letting everybody else be the star of the show. Somebody who could be out there for 90 minutes every night and makes make all these other people look so good was off stage a very cool personality. Mm. Like a, a, really a cold guy. Yeah. Like I, I get the feeling that you would get a, if you went up to Johnny Carson and interrupted his dinner, like I do not think that reception would go particularly well or particularly long. So, I mean, that's the kind of thing we're talking about here. I mean, so, you know, you say like, oh, well, I want to be Johnny Carson. Well, what does it mean to like want to be Johnny Carson? Well, you know what? You you want to be divorced and lonely? Play tennis? Like, or, you know, you want to give people the feeling that he gave you. Well, that's a very different affair. Right. Um, no, and I mean, I we should probably do... Uh, yeah, I want to hear about something else you like. Yeah, but before we do it, I mean, I I've read so much about Johnny Carson... And as a huge fan of his, you know, like we have this concept of of who Johnny was and who, you know, what he was like. But anytime you see someone on stage, even if even if the performance that they're doing is very close to who they are backstage, it's still a performance. You know, it's still they're still doing it, doing an act. They're on stage. They're very aware that they're on stage. And it's always like I remember seeing. Uh, it was around the time of the three amigos since we were talking about Steve Martin and Steve was doing these sort of mock interviews as if he and uh, Martin short and Chevy chase were sort of all being interviewed about the making of the movie. But that was a comic piece as well that they, that they were doing. So it was more what you, what you would think of as them being backstage talking about doing the three amigos or whatever it was. When in fact that was still them all acting, but when that, that takes a gift to be you know able what to I mean? do those kinds of levels, yeah, it was great. Yeah. And of course, I've seen Steve Martin in other interviews, and he's so different. He's so different. Um, and I feel like we kind of we the collective audience kind of want people to to be like they are. Like we want Carson to walk off the stage and be Johnny Carson. We want. Letterman to be Letterman. We want whoever, whoever it is, Seinfeld, whoever it is that we're, we're watching up there to be that person. And I think that would have to exact some kind of toll on them if, if they tried to deliver that on a consistent basis. You know what I mean? Like if, mm-hmm. it, because it, it is, it is a character in a way that they're doing. It may be part of them, but it's not all of them. Well, and even not before we even get to the idea that like, Trying to be Johnny Carson to a person at a time at scale would be extremely difficult, or or whomever, or right. you know, or Steve Martin. You remember that that from one of our early episodes. You remember that card that Steve Martin used to hand out to people. No, what was that? <laughs> I'll find it. I'll find it. Go ahead and tell me about something you like, and I'll find it. I would like to tell you about Mail Route. Mail Route's awesome. This is a, a a really really cool company. I've been using Mail Route for a couple, like at least a year now. And what they do, I mean, I think a lot of IT departments or people in IT departments probably know about MailRoute because they 
they're very they have a, a I think a really cool presence in that space. But MailRoute's not just for like big IT departments. Let me tell you what they do and and why you might want to give them a try. If you're hosting your own mail service or if you are using a domain for your email like many of us are right now or you are just getting a lot of spam and you want to eliminate that you want to achieve what it seems like an impossible thing and that is to like get no spam i had an email address dan at danbenjamin.com that i had used everywhere for years and years and years and it had become completely completely unusable because one way or another, it just got on every single list. And I think I've told this story before, but I would like, I'd say, okay, I want to get my old domain name back. I want to use my email. And like I had it and just wasn't, you'd be able to use it. It's like, that's like thinking you can get a given piece of popcorn back out of the compost. <laughs> that's, that's about right. And like have it still be delicious and fresh. <laughs> it's so bananas. <laughs> and I would connect, I would connect it up or I'd start, you know, plug it into a service and immediate like hundreds of spam emails per day were coming in. I just kind of wrote it off. And and then I said, well, let me try this MailRoute thing and see if this works. And I plugged it in. And basically, the way it works is MailRoute sits as what we call an MX record, a mail exchange record. So you don't have to like configure your email clients in a different way. You don't have to change your servers or anything like that. You just add a DNS record that basically inserts MailRoute ahead so that all of the email flows through MailRoute and then goes to whatever the server is that you're going to be using, whether it's your own server, your hosting company server, um, a Mac mini colo machine you've got, Google, it doesn't matter. They're going to pull all of the spam out and it works perfectly. It works in a way that is, is impossible to believe how well it works. And you, you, these other big services that were out there, like there was a Postini, they went away. Now um, McAfee's uh, MX Logic, that, that's going away now. Like we want someone who's going to stick around. MailRoute is going to stick around. So they're protecting uh, you from spam, from viruses, from other attacks, all of this stuff. They've been doing it since 97. They know what they're doing and they're offering price matching for the uh, like MX Logic customers since that thing is, is going away. So start 30-day free trial, special URL, MailRoute, M-A-I-L, MailRoute.net slash B2W. And uh, listeners of this show will get 10% off for the lifetime of their account and three a uh, free 30-day trial. So go check it out, MailRoute.net slash B2W. Thanks very much to them. Hi, Rachel. Thank you for supporting this show. Oh, that's nice. I'm just looking for, I'm trying to make this not actually play. No, don't play. Don't play. Well, anyway, you'll find Stuart Lee's comedy vehicle on uh, on the Netflix. Yeah, episode one, Shill Bottle. Very funny. Um, Steve Martin, um, it's a story that used to go around that he, you know, he's always been a very, known as a very private guy. And any, if you ever saw or heard an interview, he didn't, I don't, I don't remember him giving that many interviews. Uh, and if he did it, you know. You get, you get that he's a quiet guy. So anyway, um, the story goes, and that the, there was a story that went around for years that if you approach Steve Martin in public, he would he would basically just smile and give you a card and walk away. And it became I feel like it became something like a an urban myth until these started actually popping up. So here's a card. We'll put this in show notes. Signed by Steve Martin. It, the printed part of the card says, "This certifies that you have had a personal encounter with me." 
and that she found me warm, polite, intelligent, and funny. <laughs> and in this case, this one is autographed. So he can give you an autograph. So it's like a proof of purchase. That's so cool. Him. Yeah, it's, it's really, it's kind of a dick thing, but it's pretty funny. Pretty funny. <sighs> Jim Lee, look at those. Did you get that picture? Put it in the robot? Ah, let me switch over there. And see. That's a pretty, this is from the first splash. So the, whatever, the 91 X-Men number one. Oh. The relaunch. The, like great, one of the greatest selling comic issues of all time. Yeah. That's pretty... You get a little bit of Paul Ryan. Paul Ryan, is that the guy's name? Who's the guy who did X-Men in the mid-80s? I, the don't, guy did I the, don't know. Is his name Paul Ryan? Uh, but it's that style. It's that 90s oh, style. Yeah. With the kind of the hatching. So Paul, That's Paul, crazy. Paul, Paul Ryan. Is that his name? Paul Ryan. Am I talking about a politician? Who's the guy? Somebody yell out to me on Twitter. Who's the guy that did uh, the, 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 the cool looking X-Men? Iceman in there. Looking. Yeah, but like, look at, there's no background. <laughs> it's just white. They're just it's on just white. white. Yeah. And look at, look at the, my goodness. I think, I think Storm should have her spine checked out. I hope she's okay. <laughs> there's a name for that. When you show the boobs and the, uh, and the butt at the same time. Boobs and butt. Boobs like, and butt, they call it. TNA. Yeah. Wonder what Cyclops has in all those pouches. Oh yeah. It's his utility belt. He's got his fiber bar in there. Got a collapsible toothbrush. What's going up kind of the side of his chest? What's in that? That's more, more, more bandolier. Yeah, this was a strange time. This is a, like... Was no, I wrong did... to, to show my eight-year-old Watchmen over the weekend? Uh, the movie? Yeah. I fast-forwarded assume. I'm going to assume you're kidding. No, I fast-forwarded through parts of it. Mm-hmm. Like when comedian does that thing to Silk Spectre on the pool table? Yes, fast-forwarded through that. Fast yeah. forwarded through the, huh. the dog part. Oh, you fast forwarded through the dog part. That's good. What did you not fast forward through? Oh, the prison scene. Uh, fast forwarded through a bunch <laughs> of the prison scene. <laughs> well, I, uh, I am on Mainly the just record. showed just showed Dr. Manhattan uh, floating around. That was basically what I showed him, I think. Yeah. I did have, I had gastroenteritis or whatever it's called and was not 100%. I don't, I don't know about this, Dan. What, 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 what happened to you? Uh, what, what happened? Well, I, did I tell you about the ladling? I'm going to say no. Do you want to hear about it? I guess. Are we going to talk more about it? I also want to talk about Rob Liefeld. Well, let's, let's do that first, and then we'll get to the ladling. When did, ladling, 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 ladling <laughs> with Dan. Have you ever ladled, ladled with Dan? Rob, Li- have you seen the Deadpool trailer? I have seen the one where he's momentarily upside down. Oh, that, that part, that was great. My kid already, he's like, we're seeing that. I'm like, yeah, we are. <laughs> I well, no, you're not. No, is it, is it not? Oh, dude, it's R. I showed her the green. Is gr- it I R? The, oh no, which is which it should be. It's Deadpool. Uh, no, I showed my kid the the green band, and I was like, you know, this is a movie you're not going to see for a while, but I bet it's going to be funny. I bet it's going to be funny. Rob Liefeld invented Deadpool when it was in. I think it was in X Force, right? He invented it for X Force. Okay. And so when did he make Deadpool? See, this is exactly the kind of conversation nobody likes. Because <laughs> like us either, trying to search for stuff well, on the internet. You either don't know what I'm talking about and don't care to the point of anger, or you absolutely know what I'm talking about and you can't believe I have to look on Wikipedia. Deadpool. Mm-hmm. Oh. Huh, 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 huh. Yeah. Yeah. Deadpool. Yeah. Deadpool. Ryan Reynolds has better looking feet uh, than Rob Liefeld's one. 
Paul Ryan, somebody help me out. Is anybody listening to this goddamn show? Who's the X-Men artist Ryan? Matt Ryan, Paul Ryan. I want to say it's Paul Paul Ryan. Am I am I going crazy? I don't know. I should ask Jason Snell. Anyway, uh, X-Men's a good comic. Hey, have you seen the Apocalypse uh, trailer? Yes. That looks pretty good. Yes, that one looks very good. I mean, it's Brian Singer's back, baby. Okay, I don't moving know, we on. We got a lot of cool movies coming out. Oh yeah, I'm pretty excited. Uh, let's talk about ladling. Okay, I mean, are you? I this don't is, know what I'm getting into, but I would love to hear about ladling, 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 ladling. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I'll, I'll shoppable lookbooks. <laughs> Basically, okay. So my uh, apparently in in school. There's a lot of, you know, kids getting sick. And right now it seems like there's a lot of throwing up that happens. And my uh, my son came home from school. I, like, I just want to point, just I'm sorry, I don't want to interrupt you, but I, I like it when you when you talk like you're on the stand. What you really want to say is a bunch of people at your kid's school have some kind of a stomach virus. I don't, I don't know this for sure. It seems like this. I'll, I'll allow it. So he uh, he was fine. He came home. This was, uh, I guess, not this Friday a few days ago, but a week Friday. And Friday night, he goes to bed. He wakes up, you know, 11, 11, 30, 12, and, uh, and throws up. Oh, no. Now, he used to just throw up in his, in his bed, which was, you know, what little kids sometimes do because they don't, they don't know how to identify the... They haven't, learned to to identify, they haven't learned to identify that one feeling every yeah. adult knows, which is the difference. Paul Smith, thank you, thank you, um, Captain Marm. Paul Smith, I'll come back to that. Paul um, Smith. Paul Smith. Because um, when you're a grown-up, you know, because you've gone through this, you get that feeling where you're like, okay, I can hold this back, versus, right. okay, this is officially my last warning. I need to get somewhere. <laughs> yeah. And little kids don't know that because they think they can fight it back. Yeah. They don't want to throw up so much that they're like, uh, uh, they can will it. <laughs> right. And so sometimes he would just throw up in his bed. So then we, tr- we got it to the point where we just, it's not like this happened a lot, but you only have to th- have your kid throw up in bed maybe twice before you say, you know, we're just going to keep a big bowl by his bed just in the off chance it happens again. So then he got to the point where he would be able to to catch it enough that he could throw up. And it's I, I want to be clear. It's not like this was happening weekly. This was a very rare, rare thing. But it got to the point where he could he could get it into a bowl. And now he's doing the great thing. He will he can identify it. He'll get out of bed. He'll go into the bathroom. Uh, but he won't he won't go to the toilet. He'll go to the sink and sort of stand in front of the sink and throw up in the sink. Now, as terrible as this sounds, it's still better than throwing up in bed. So well, there's no question, no question about I'm it. I'm happy. I'm proud of him. And my response, should someone, a child, throw up into a sink, my response to this would be what I think all sane, rational people would be. You, you turn on the sink and leave the bathroom and come back, you know, in a, a couple days and hopefully it's all been washed away. Hmm. My wife has a different response to this. Her response is she will go and get the throw up bowl and then she'll get a ladle and she will ladle it into the, the bowl. How much are we talking about here? Are we talking about like a shot glass, a coffee cup, or like a big gulp? And how chunky? I would say chunky, six out of ten, 
Like a chunk, ch- chunky bowl's like worth? Like between applesauce and, uh, and pea soup, somewhere in there. Okay, so a th- a thick but within a regular pattern. What kind of volume are we talking about? Like a soup bowl? I feel like the whole sink is full. But it, oh no no he, come on he's not that big. There's a lot. I mean, there's a lot. There's enough that you could ladle. What size ladle? She will get a ladle like a soup Nazi sized ladle. Since we're talking about Seinfeld, like a soup Nazi side like 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 a like a one to two cup ladle. Yeah, and you get more than one ladle out of there, and you have enough uh, travel that you could actually get in there and scoop out that much applesauce barf. Out, like out imagine of- if if you were serving matzo ball soup. And the matzo balls are whole, not the terrible when they cut them in half. That's the yes. worst toy. Mm-mm. But if you had a whole matzo ball and you had to be able to scoop up the matzo ball and some liquid around it and and then plate that. That's, that's a lot of volume. That's yeah. a lot of volume. So that kind of ladle. And she'll ladle it out into the the vomit bowl. And mm-hmm. then at that point, I don't stick around to see what happens next. I don't know where she takes it or what she does with it. But she And I said, You assume it goes somewhere. It goes somewhere. I said, yeah. why don't you just let it go down the sink? Like- and take out whatever doesn't go like what she's like because that i don't like that i don't believe in that so i oh fine it's about values it is it is across this line you do not you do not mm-hmm. and so i you know that's fine i'm not doing that she's doing it it's fine mm. so needless to say she get gets sick from it from, from the ladling from the ladling mm. he's better the next day and and then a few days go by and then she gets it and so once she no, gets no, you're it, manning the ladle. Well, cats, cats in the cradle and the silver spoon. I just know that if she, if it makes it, if it crosses the, uh, the membrane from child to adult, yeah, then then I know that I will probably get it, and I did, and so I had that over the weekend. But the ladling thing, I, I, what would you do in that situation? Would with you the ladle same, it with out the, or would you just turn the water on and, and call it a well, day? I, I want to be specific. You're talking about given those conditions. So I go, it's a black box, right? I am brought in mm-hmm. and they say, here's the thing. You're going to go in this room. Pop quiz, hot shot. <laughs> there, there's already barf in there. Yeah. You have, and so it's like D&D for vomit. Yes. I go in there and this is, my, this is going to be my, uh, this is going to be my, uh, my, uh, my uh, campaign. Yes. Okay. I would buy a pair of high hard boots. I would buy I would buy a long sword and I would get a a a, a, a ladle of ladling, <laughs> which I which I can use. You so you're saying you would still ladle it out of there? No, 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 no. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I but the, the nice part about a magical ladle of ladling is it it has a drawing capacity. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, no. The problem is you don't want chunks going down there because that's going to get real stopped up. If if I don't have any options before this, and I you know I don't mean to, I don't. It's your it's your game. But like the thing is like first of all. Little kids, when they barf, don't barf that much usually, unless they're extremely, extremely sick. Little kids, it's more like a bow. I don't Not my kid must have a, a talent then because he could. He might he be. Can, he might be. Uh, I don't want to. You know, he might be a mutant. He, he might want to get him sink. checked out. Well, maybe, maybe he, uh, if he went to Professor X's uh, school, maybe he could find <laughs> that, find a way to turn that All into right. some kind of a skill. Aim yeah. it or something. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's better than a lot of the '90s X Men. <laughs> yeah. Um. No, I guess I, one thing you could do, you know what? If it was just mostly like applesauce, I would run super hot water right. and keep running super hot water. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. No, but this is values. We're talking about values. This is a different kind of thing. But the thing is, this is part of also being in a relationship with somebody. If you, if you have a ladler in your family, you need to adopt that. <laughs> it's not like Judaica. This is something you can put on and take off like a hat or a ladle. You get in there and, and you scoop it out. That's not how I would roll. 
but you know, this is a big a big part of the parenting thing is just sometimes you're just going to have to do a thing you're not super into. Yeah. You know, but the ladle, I just can't believe he barfed that. You got to take a photo of this next time. I mean, I could if you want it. I try to get out of there because uh, Don Schaffner and, and, and Ben Chapman said that you can get it from in- inhalation too. Oh, it's an air, it's an airborne vomit. Only if you're close proximity to the vomit. Well, then you, you, you want to get it to 160 degrees if you can. For it how gets long? Out. For how long? Hmm? Oh, it depends. What are, you, what, what are we talking about? How thick? Like like pea soup or like an applesauce? Uh, between I would yeah. do well. It depends if you're doing a sous vide. You could I would do that. If, is it frozen or are you talking about like room temperature? Um, you do I that would, about 140 for 90 minutes because it starts out about 98, 99.6 there yeah. about, and then you give it a nice sear, <laughs> maybe a little bit of butter in a pan. But you should be wearing a mask and maybe a Tyvek suit, like you were the one you used for the Harry's ad. Hey, uh, Dan, did you want to tell me about something you like? Yeah, let me let me do that. I'll tell you about our friends over at Squarespace. Squarespace. Would have shut Merlin and I both down. We wouldn't be here today. Shreppable. If, if, if Squarespace had been around, it would have put me out of a job. It would have put a lot of people out of a job because what Squarespace lets you do is make and build an amazing website. You know, we don't talk about a lot when we're talking about Squarespace, though. Online portfolios or e-commerce? Well, they do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they let you create a blog. They let you post videos they let you post music if you're a musician they let you host podcasts they let you do all kinds of really really great things but what we don't talk about a lot is how easy it is to actually get the content into squarespace so that it can be published that's something that i think we we just kind of take for granted that that would be easy because if the sites look really good then it must be easy to use but that's really not the case a lot of the time uh Squarespace makes it really easy to update content. And so this is this is the thing when you when you want to spend as little time as possible creating and I'm sorry, entering in that content, you want to spend as much time as you can creating it. That's the way I see it. If I'm going to make a website where I'm going to be posting my writing or I'm going to be posting my music or I'm going to be making a video that I want people to see, like those are the things that I want to spend my time on. I don't want to spend like okay, great, I just made this great video. Now, how do I post it? Oh, I got to jump through hoops. Now, why doesn't it look right? Or I wish I could just drag and drop this image onto here and use it as the thumbnail. Like you can. That's how it works. That's what Squarespace does. They make it super easy, not just to make the beautiful website, but to make the beautiful website. Like to, to keep make it going. The beautiful. You're making the website. Making the site. You're a maker. Squarespace.com back to work supports this show and gets you 10% off your first purchase over there. Using the code it's your show, one word. So squarespace.com slash back to work and then the code it's your show gets you 10% off your first purchase. I recommend that you try Squarespace out the next time that you want to make a website, the next time you want to post something cool. I use it. You should use it. I know Merlin uses it. Well, can I give you a practicum here? I would love that. I want to give you a practicum. I want you to go to MerlinM.com. MerlinM.com. MerlinM.com slash meetup. M-E-E-T-U-P. And so if you go and look at that page, I'll give you a minute here. So this is a page from my meetup that I do. We're doing a meetup uh, February 4th Number at Two Cats Comics. 
Uh, and number 12. And so, but here's, well, so you look at this page and like, hey, Merlin, how'd you do that? You're a dingus. You don't know how to do any of this. It's a totally a point and click operation. You go in, you enter some text. I say, okay, this is the title of the page. In the case of me looking all angry and staring, you just literally drag an image from your desktop and then you can scoot it around wherever you want it to go on the page. In this case, I've added a little, uh, a little, uh, caption. You notice there's a map. There's a Google map embedded on the page. Did I go to google.com and make an embedded map? No. I dragged a little widget dingus into here. Hmm. I entered in a address and now that's done wait a minute now how about these amazon links how did you do that you surely must have gone to associates.dev.amazon.com.usa and come up with all these i did not i just dropped in a widget dingus and entered in an asin for each of these things and it popped it right in here with my affiliate code thank you very much that's how easy this is to do it's that simple that's simple so go check squarespace out squarespace.com slash back to our code it's your show 10 percent off thanks very much to them for making the show possible. Puck, puck. February 4th, 7.30 and 9 p.m., Two Cats Comics. Those are See going good. Now, are you are you on stage on, on one of those things? I'm do always you, on stage, Dan. Do you perform? A, always B, those? B, C on stage. <laughs> are you performing? <laughs> I mean, I'm, perf- I'm performing myself. <laughs> Go blind if you do that too much. <laughs> Look at that header image. You see how I made a, a, a funny and relevant uh, header image I up love there? that. Mm-hmm. That's from uh, um, from uh, from um, um, what is that? You know, all new X Men. What's it called? The 1975 one. I don't know. I don't know. That's the that's the first time we meet uh, Wolverine in uh, in that particular reboot of X Men. Mm-hmm. Yeah, giant size, giant size X Men number one. Duh. There you go. <laughs> Vomit. Yeah, I mean, I don't like talking about it. It, It's not, I'm past the point of things like grossing me out. Like that doesn't gross me out at all. Is this what you're talking about today with No, it's a a different thing. Okay. All right. So it's very difficult to communicate with you in text. I'm bad at it. You are really bad at it. And the other problem is that I am really bad at it. I just don't know what you're talking about a lot of the time. I make up for it and with, um, with the talking like this. Is that what you do? Yeah. You want to double check with people on that? Yeah. Okay. Uh, you know what else I've done? Uh, wow, we have so much. We have too much here to, to start at this point. We had three different pieces of follow up in the last two episodes. The, the you know feedback in the last two episodes about something related to future self. We, listener Jim, listener Jackson, yeah. listener Derek. Yeah, I think we should maybe come back to that next time because they're all really good things. Listener Jackson had a whole like kind of like novella here that was really really good. Um, so let's come back to that. We don't have enough time for that okay. today. All right. Uh, I wanted to mention something dorky that I started doing that's really fun. Um, is that okay? Yeah, I mean, what what is it? Uh, have you ever... <laughs> this is so dorky. Have you heard of Zentangle? No. Yeah. Is it a chocolate? Yes. <laughs> that's good! Yeah. That's my boy. Uh, no, it does have Zen in the name. Uh, go to show notes, uh, and you'll see it. Um... So we actually did go to the Flax at Fort Mason on uh, Saturday. Flax, by the way, is like the greatest art supply store in the world. It's going to be replaced by condos soon. So Hakuna Matata. But they have a little uh, enclave of Flax out there. And I, I, on a whim, I picked up this thing. Let me get all the dumb stuff out of the way. Yes, this thing is silly. Yes, it's kind of like a cult. Yes, it has some rules. Yes, there's a lot of trademarks. Yes, it's really annoying. But it's this thing called Zentangle. And it's this idea of... It's not quite drawing. It's not. It's kind of doodling, but it's a kind of structured doodling that's really fun. 
So uh, I got this book and I got a little starter pack. And basically the idea is that it's the notion that you can take this little square of like cardstock. I think it's about three inches by three inches. Very, very tiny piece of cardstock, which helps a lot in doing this. It's not a big page. And the idea is there's this structured way you start out by drawing a frame and then you draw what's called a string, which is like you break the frame up into pieces and then you fill it in with these kind of little structured doodles like you would do during a meeting kind of. But I don't know. It's it, it's so freaking fun. And my kid is so good at it. It's it's just as you sit there with this little zero one uh, little marker, like a, you know, like a, you know, what do they call it? Like a drawing marker. And you sit there, you, you start with a pencil, you fill it in with this. And the what are the three rules? The, the rule number one is that there is no up or down. So you should be able to look at it and, and move this thing around in any way. Uh, rule number two is that there are no, um, what is it? Number two, you don't talk about Fight Club. But basically the idea is you don't erase and any mistake you make has to be incorporated back into the drawing. And I just wanted to suggest it to people. It's a silly thing. The book is silly. I was ready to reject it because it feels like one of those fads, which it kind of is. It's along the lines of this whole coloring book thing, but it's a fun fad. So I would say check out something called Zentangle. And I put links in notes to where you can get a book about this. You can get the little marker set to start with. I just do you recommend really the, the, the marker set? Do you want to get the whole pack or just a book or what do you want to get? I bought a book and the marker pack. I mean, you can do this yourself, but if you want to make it a thing, sometimes it helps to have some infrastructure. Um, very fun. And I mostly I'm just, I'm really, my kid really took to it very quickly um, and is doing some amazing stuff. And you can buy like uh, another pack, like the pack I put in show notes of these little tiles. You can buy more that aren't made by the Zentangle people that are a lot cheaper. It's kind of a racket, but uh, I just thought I'd mention it. it's really fun. I keep, you know, there's always this little part of me that thinks, you know, I would like to do more graphical stuff. I don't have, I don't do design stuff anymore. I don't do too much graphical stuff on a computer and I've never been very good at freehand drawing. So I'm always looking for anything that can trick me into wanting to make marks on a page more. I just wanted to suggest that fun thing to check out. I like it. So do you, I mean, do you recommend though, getting these things sort of separate? Cause I'm looking at the site now and they have like a box that seems to have everything uh, do you, I don't know. I don't know. I just put three links to Amazon. Uh, there's the there's a book that explains the whole uh, racket. You can get this little uh, set that comes with a pencil and a little shading. You know those little paper shading things? It looks like a pencil, but it helps you shade when you rub with it. Um, I don't know. Apropos of nothing, I just thought it was really fun. And if you've got a little kid and want a project you can do together, we like to take a break from Lego sometimes. It's fun to draw together. Um, I just thought that was really cool. I like that. My kid's really been making leaps lately. Like it's in really weird. In- Drawing and, and writing? Just, just stuff in general. Like, there's all kinds of stuff where, like, you, you know, it's, you turn around, you look at your kid, and you're like, oh, you are really different from two weeks ago. Yeah. It's really crazy. I sh- I'm sure you get that a lot, too. Anyway, just uh, check it out. Uh, so, again, thanks to Captain Marm for the reminder that I'm talking about Paul Smith. Paul Smith. Paul Smith. Paul Smith is the guy who drew, he came in in 82. So I guess he's after John, not John Byrne, after, um, yeah, John, wait, yeah, John Byrne. Claremont's the writer, Byrne's the penciler, right? Anyway, but but Paul Smith's run, super clean, cartoony. If you've ever seen um, that, that that panel, Professor Xavier is a jerk. I you have that panel? You're kidding me. No. <gasps> it's a totally famous panel. Uh, Professor Xavier's a jerk. Let's Google for that. And it's Kitty Pride turning around and pointing a finger at him. Uh, that's Paul Smith. He also did that famous cover of Kitty Pride, like kind of coming out of the wall. That one I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Is that one of those? 
yeah. So that's really that's really all I've got. What else did I have for this week? Zentangle, Future Self. Oh, I, I think I ordered Fiber. Really? Yeah, that's uh, a big deal. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. I, you know, I've got pretty fast Comcast right now at the office and home. So you know, well, what is the preferred way to talk about? these things is it's megabits is what people say i i think in megabytes i don't know what a megabit is like i tend to think in like okay like for example i get 14 megabytes down so i don't know what that is in megabits there what is do you, what do you get do it go go do a speed test tell me what you get you want to do it right now i'm gonna do it too all right speak easy change do it on an it's iPad. different did they change from the ukla they're not using ukla anymore it's like it's not ukla ukla yeah if you go to speedtest.net now they want you to go get the app Oh, I think. All right, I get the app. Why not? I'm Log clicking. I'm, I'm clicking. I'm purchasing. I'm logged in. I'm allowing flash. ID. Okay, so we may have a disruption here for a second. Let's see how this thing goes. Ten millisecond ping. Now you're doing uh, this whilst whilst you're doing uh, a show too. So that's gotta. Well, yeah, I, yeah. So I'm getting a hundred and twenty-eight. Megabits down, right? MBPM small, small case B. It's really good. I mean, that's like fifteen megabytes, fourteen, fifteen megabytes down, and eleven up. If I can okay. get it, if I'm lucky. So this fiber is there. So that's Comcast, and you know, whatever. I don't hate Comcast, but I definitely don't love Comcast. Have you run I've this never, at home? Have you done done a test like that at home? Do you remember what you got? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. About the same. About the same. See, at home. It's usually up to, even on wireless, I get like 132 megabit down at home. Yeah, at, at home we pay for, uh, it's about a, you know, Time Warner cable here. We pay about 100 bucks and we get 300 down. Whoa. And I don't know, is it 50 or 100 up? I don't know. But on, on wireless, it's more like more like 100 or so up. Uh, and, and, uh, and here at work, I pay more than three times that. And oh, right. I, you went through this, right? Yeah, right, and right. I and I get right according to the test, I got a fifty-seven uh, down and six up for three times the cost what? of what I pay at home. Oh, that's crazy! Yeah, that's business so, class, business class, and it says right on my my modem, business class Time Warner cable. I should put that in the show notes. This is what you, you should. Get for Mine, I've got class. X. I've got Xfinity Turbo. Ooh. I think it's called Xfinity. I, well, what are you going to get with fiber? What, what are your speeds? Well, according to this article that I read yesterday, so anyway, the problem the problem is that you know, oh, it's fancy San Francisco. You probably certainly you must certainly have your choice of many many different providers for this. Not really. Where I live up till now, it's been Comcast or by a satellite. Um, but now Sonic is doing a little testy thing in my area where they've laid some down in this shockingly small the area. Don't Sonic. Don't be creepy. What's that? Yeah, you're driving for a change. <laughs> It comes with tater tots when you get fiber and tater tots. Yeah. Uh, but uh, so, yeah. And uh, I heard they are claiming up to 1,000 megabit down. People on that creepy next door site are reporting that they're getting at least 800 megabits down. So That's I'm going to give it a throw. Crazy. Now, here's the nutty part. I think mine is 80 bucks a month for this service with Comcast. And they're claiming that – I don't know if they've got limits. I hope they don't have limits. But it's – um. They're they're saying it's like forty forty five bucks a month. That's crazy. I mean, I paid the same or more to at least try. I'm not sure. The thing is, this latest jump that I made to getting what I've got now has been massive. 
when I got a new modem and did the turbo thing and all, like it, I really noticed the difference oh, now. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. went from four megabytes, megabytes down to about 15 megabytes down. And I really noticed the difference. Um, and so I, I don't, I wonder how much I'll notice the difference now. Do you know what I mean? Cause it seems like I think the, you the will. errors I've of what I've always heard the fiber. I've always heard fiber is it's better. It's more reliable. It's, more sol- it's also more solid. Yeah. You don't get, you don't, it's not a shared type situation. And everybody who has fiber Eventually, they become the sort of royal in their demeanor, and they 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 laugh when they hear people who are not able to get fiber, or you know. Oh, I know, I've seen it. It's, it's like living on the East Coast, pretty much. Yeah, it's same, like, well, same why, thing. Why don't you get fiber? You should really get it. It's wonderful. What do you mean? I thought it was nine o'clock everywhere. <laughs> me, 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 boo. <laughs> you have What do you mean with a different time there? It's nine o'clock everywhere. <laughs> I live in New York. Me, 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 me. That's my new character, uh, Eastern Standard Time guy. I love it. I l- absolutely love it. And I will say, I don't think you've ever had a more cor- correct in every way uh, character. Maybe what the you elf. Mean, what do you mean it's 6 a.m.? It can't be 6 a.m. It's 9 a.m. everywhere. I live on the East Coast. Me, 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 me. <laughs> But I wish that's we. Just, I wish that's we all, everyone. Everyone on the East Coast, just so you know, that's what you sound like. Yeah, it is. Me, 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 mo. Sort of like a sarcastic beaker from the Muppets. Sarcastic beeper. That's what. Uh, that's beaker. That's one of my favorite guy by voices EPs. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we'll see. I now my concern is I have to say, and I, boy, I, there's not enough wood for me to knock on, if you know what I mean. But I have a never got a DMCA from Comcast. Almost everyone I know has, and I have never gotten a bandwidth cap, as far as I know. Which almost everybody I know has, so I don't know. We'll see. But like now, my concern is with that speed of bandwidth. I, I can easily imagine within a few days not noticing how much stuff I'm downloading. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I wonder. Like I should find. It. I didn't even bother to read it. I thought, yeah, what the hell? They said in five days they'll come and install it for fifty bucks a month. I was like, it's worth a throw. Can always go back to Comcast, I guess. Right. We shall see. We yeah. shall see. But uh, no, it's crazy when you see people. Like I can't even imagine what that must be like. It's just, but then again, somebody like Mike Hurley, who like runs a podcast network, he's over there in England and like, it's pretty, it's pretty slow there. This is why my family's thinking of moving to South Korea. <laughs> they have very fast internet. I remember. What did you mean it's a different time in South Korea? Me, me, mo. I went to South Korea in 99 or 2000 and they were walking around with uh, at literally every human, regardless of their age, had an incredibly tiny tiny cell phone that worked everywhere it worked in subways it worked in the forest in a a buddhist temple it worked everywhere and i remember coming back to the states and my bell south phone i could barely get a signal at the bell south offices like it was pathetic and i'm like they're so far ahead of us it used to be a sign of either being a poser or an insane person when people would talk on their phone on on muni in the tunnels (laughs) and be like yeah 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 it's got a, yeah, well, you know, yeah, we're going to be wheels up in a couple hours. So, <laughs> you, you tell him he's fired. It's like, dude, nobody gets reception down here. Like, you, you might as well be talking into a trowel. Um, Muni. Muni, am I right? Is that like Bart? Muni. Muni is like Bart. It's like a little Bart. Okay. <laughs> 
I can't keep track of all this. Uh, you're tough on paying furniture. Uh, BART is the, the big train system with the 70s looking trains that goes all over the Bay Area. You know, you get to you go all the way up to, to Pittsburgh. You go down to wherever. Like it, it goes all over the Bay Area. Uh, BART best known probably to people for being uh, the fastest way to get from like San Francisco to Oakland and back. Go under the Bay. Uh, Muni is uh, municipal transit system is the system of buses and trains and uh you know buses streetcars cable cars and the streetcars are different from the cable cars there's a reason i don't say trolley because it's a streetcar um and from the little like ding ding riceroni yeah. things that, that break down all the time in the central part of town all different things um but but the, the part that's confusing is they share stations so if you're from out of town you are correctly calling the place at powell street a bart station it's, it's just that it also happens to be a muni station so you got the street level, you get on one level, it's Muni, you get on to the second level, and BART is below that. And so that, where does it connect with MARTA? Oh, MARTA? Oh, you have to get to, that's up by, it's Amaretta, I think it's called. Okay. Am, uh, is it Marietta? Where am I thinking of? Buckshead. You, get, you transfer at Buckhead, Okay. right? You're going to want to go down to uh, little five points. Huh. You're going to meet a guy there named Lou. <laughs> okay? He's going to want to sell you uh, some, some incense and, and, and a tie-dye hat. You pick that up, and you're going to want to transfer. And that'll get you on the T, or the red line, as they call it. <clears throat> and is that um, north or south of where you pick up the max to get on TriMet? Uh, no, 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 no. You're not, you're not, no, you're thinking of the one in D.C. You're okay. thinking of the metro. It's called the metro. Metro. Right. The, the metro. It is hard. I mean, admittedly, it's hard to keep track of these if you don't live in San Francisco. It's very hard if you don't live there. You're going to want to get the schedule for that. Oh, Super Bowl's coming. Do you know that for f- uh, football? Yes. I do. Oh know. boy, lot. It's going to be pretty fun. Have you seen that movie Concussion yet? <laughs> no. The trailer looked terrible. It's a it's a an interesting movie. It's I bet I bet the movie's fantastic. His 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 he he looks like he's in like a community college play. Will Smith just found out. Will Smith. And they yeah, got Albert Brooks is in the movie. I love Albert Brooks. He's good. He's bald. I want to see you away from Barney's Bolorama and the clatter of pins. <laughs> <laughs> Two onion rings. Ah, uh, uh, this uh, Homer. He is in so many <laughs> great episodes of The Simpsons, again and again and again. He, so he's Jacques in uh-huh. that classic early episode. He's also like the uh, the fake David Branson guy uh-huh. that, that that hires Homer. Remember? I do. Oh Wasn't he Homer's brother too? That's Danny DeVito. Okay. Oh, that was Danny DeVito playing him. Great. Yeah, that's that was fantastic. Oh man. I want a big cup holder. <laughs> uh, did you want to tell me about one uh, fourth and final thing that you like? Our final thank you goes out to our friends over at Igloo. Igloo's, the final thank you. You know, I don't know if what I'm about to say is true. Mm. But I'm going <laughs> to welcome s- to my world. I'm going to say it like it is. We were the first podcast that Igloo ever sponsored. I think that's true. I think it's true. That's when I- little, little Marco was there. Yes, way back. And uh, an Igloo. They've been around for a long time. They've been supporting podcasts for a long time. Let me tell you what Igloo does and and what their goals are and why you may be interested in learning more about Igloo. Igloo addresses a problem that I think exists kind of starting, I wouldn't say in this super small company, but once you get a handful of people who are working together, you start to realize, and I think if you've been in bigger companies, you already know this, but you start to realize that there are these there are these things that you're going to want to do on a regular basis and you're going to want to you're going to want to do them a lot and 
what am I talking about here? What are we talking? Let me talk. Let's talk about something something important. important. I'm talking about interacting with the other people who are on your team who may or may not even be in the same location as you. They, what, what happens is, especially in the bigger companies, but it can happen even in the small, mid-sized companies, is that you get these silos that kind of exist where people are operating and they're like, oh, we didn't know like uh, Marion and Bob down there were working on the same thing. Or we, they want to get access to our stuff, but we don't know how to give them access to their stuff. Or wouldn't it be cool if there was just a place we could all go to talk? Or what if there was a way we could make our files and stuff available really easily? And you know what? Let's not have to have long meetings about all of this stuff. Or what if there was a way to get information or news that are going with the company? Or what if like HR wants to share what the benefit plan is? What if there was like an onboarding process? All of the stuff that you do. And again, this becomes even more important as your company grows. But even the smaller companies want to do this. You want a place. You want a place to go. You want a thing that lets you create this. And at, we used to, in the old days, we used to call it an intranet. And they and they have never been good. No, never good. It, it's one of those things where, like, it's, you know, the cobbler's kid having no shoes, where, like, any of the resources you had had to go into the core, like, money-making, consumer-facing stuff. And, right. and, and whatever you use for an intranet would either be a total hack, some open-source knockoff thing, or both. And they were never fun to use. And what you're describing is a situation where – you go from being a bunch of people mostly in the same room where you know what everybody's doing, you know where they are, you know what they're up to. Right. And then you've never had to have the skills to know about that beyond just being in that room. And Igloo does that. And it's totally customizable. It doesn't have to be weird. It doesn't have to be bloated. Whatever you need, you get. And that's what makes it so magic. Right. You, you can pick and choose the stuff that you want. And here's the wonderful part of it is it's secure, it's private, and it's designed for the way that you guys work, the way that your business is growing or has grown. So they've got like integrated blogs. I remember I worked at a software company and my boss said, you know what? We're not going to have these meetings anymore that take hours where each person talks about all the stuff that they did that week in the projects they're working on and what their personal goals are. Every week you will just write a blog post, but we'll make a private blog. So like we went and had to set up an intranet and we had to set up software to do that and all that. This is all built in. So they've got like blogs, they've got calendaring, they've got file sharing, they've got forums, they've got task management stuff, they've got wikis, they have the the concept of like the micro blog, almost like your own private Twitter. It's your own private Dropbox, like just the things that you want. It takes the best of like these social ideas that are out there and, and puts them to work for you guys. And and it makes it fun, it makes it easy to use, and they're built for the, for this kind of thing. So igloosoftware.com is the place to go, but they made a special URL just for our listeners, igloosoftware.com slash back to work, igloo to O's, igloosoftware.com slash back to work. Go check them out, sign up. I think you're going to like what you see there, and uh, we really appreciate them coming back and sponsoring us again. So thanks very much to Igloo for making igloo. the show possible. Two O's, ooh, ooh. <laughs> Me, 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 mo. Yeah. Wow. Wow. We covered a lot of ground this week, Dan. I know. I know. Astonishing. Zentangle. You got fiber. I want to get the Zentangle. Well, it's the thing is, like, it, it is funny because you can sense it's like, okay, so here's the thing. Let's, let's say you invented Zentangle and you go to a party and you go, oh, yeah, I'm the, uh, I'm the founder of uh, Zentangle. Oh, it's Zentangle. Oh, it's a system for uh, being able to uh, replicate patterns by understanding a simple. Oh, so it's like doodling? <laughs> no, no, it is not the 
air quotes, d- d- doodling. It's an immersive method of uh, artistic. Uh, oh, so you uh, you sell a little. <laughs> so like it's funny. There's there's freaking trademarks on everything. There is an admonishment in the introduction of the book that yes, we hope you enjoy this book, but please be careful that you don't teach this to people because you need to be a certified Zentangle really uh, trainer. No, it's got that culty feeling of somebody who's really into their IP. Uh, you know, whatever. God bless them. But uh, but it is actually really fun and. I've only I've it's just really it's sometimes you need a little bit of structure to make you we talk about this this on this upcoming episode of uh, Top Scallops this week I was talking to Max about like how much you really need like a big system to get you going and I think when you're a geek like getting some gear and a book might be what you need sometimes to get started on something and in that case this has just been a really fun way to sit around at like at night and my daughter and I will both do this together and so in the book basically what it is like I said you draw a frame you draw this little string and then you fill it in with these patterns and it basically the neat part about the book is it will show you like if you want to make like a funny like Escher looking screen thing here's how to draw that like here's the pattern to make for that oh, cool and there's something magic about sitting there with that zero one which is i think the no zero zero one is probably the smallest but it's a very 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 small drawing marker and you would not believe how tiny like the things you can make with that marker is and it makes you more and more ambitious to draw in smaller and smaller patterns and you realize that this three by three card i could i could spend five hours filling up a three by three card whereas i'll sit and stare at a notebook for hours because ah too much paper daddy confused abort right. abort so anyway you might want to check it out also reminder for next week we'll come back and uh we'll come back and also talk about Stuart lee would you do me a uh you didn't watch the doctor who did you no it is it is number one on my list to watch perhaps tonight or yeah. tomorrow night and i'm super excited i wanted to make sure I didn't watch it while I was feeling sick because oh, no, my no, no. Yeah. my uh, retention level is is lower no, when no, I, I have I, a know, fever and, and I'm throwing up. I'm that guy that, that buys people stuff and then like you know. Well, it's so thoughtful that? of you to do that. Oh, shut up! It was like a buck. But thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> 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 the other thing I was going to say for a second, if you can, you got do you have the Netflix? I do have that. Watch um, the, it's a, it's a half hour long. Watch the first episode of Stuart Lee's Comedy Vehicle and see what you think. All right, Stuart. Are Lee's. you familiar with Chris Morris? Are you familiar with him at all? Uh, the Pillsbury Doughboy. Yep. He was on, uh, he was in Brass Eye. He was on that This Week show. Oh, this is, sounds like a different person. Chris Morris was also, um, he had a wonderful, wonderful radio show. And what is he best known for? Oh, he was on that, uh, I think he was briefly the boss on the IT crowd, the English version. He's a very interesting guy. Oh, cool. And he is the inquisitor in this comedy show. Yeah, I'm. Uh, we're you know we haven't done an update on on this topic in in a long time, but we talked about how we got our HDV, HD TV antennas and we've ca- canceled cable, and uh, now are we are a household of the HD TV antenna for sports and uh, and news and Republican debates. Oh and, boy! And then we use Hulu and Netflix, and that's all that I've got right now. And I I, I worked up the numbers. And I said, you know, if, if we need to buy a couple seasons of this show or that show here and there on iTunes or whatever, uh, still, like, it, it's so much more affordable than paying for and throwing that money away every month for cable for stuff that we're just not just not watching. You know, it's yeah. uh, it's worked out. It's worked out big time. So I'm still I think it's the future. And I'm still very happy with that choice. Good, good, good. What about yeah. you? Are you still on, on it? Well, I'm getting rid of Comcast, so I must be. Yeah. I mean, I haven't had I haven't had cable. I I might be. I think I might be paying for cable now. I'm not sure, but um, 
if I can get rid of that, then, you know, I'll be way off the grid. We watch, we don't watch a lot of over the air TV. We watch the Golden Globes. Um, it was nice to be able to watch that. Yeah. The um, HTV is more, HDTV antenna is more like, uh, it's kind of like an impulse thing. Like, oh, there's this thing I want to watch right now. But see, now. Like if we want to watch sports, if we want to watch sports or news or something like that, or like, again, one of those live events, one of those rare, increasingly few live events are on network TV. I know. Like the debates. I can't watch the debates. I have no way. I don't want to watch the debates. That would be the last thing I would do. But uh, we can't. Well, there was one time where I, I did want to watch one of the first or second maybe Republican debates. I don't know what was wrong with me thinking I wanted to do that, but we couldn't. It was on like Fox and Fox doesn't have any way to watch that. You know, there is foxbusiness.com. You could go there and then launch, uh, launch their player or it redirected you to an app. I watched it on my iPad somehow. I forget how I even made that work, but yeah, I mean, it's it, for us, the, the, it's, it's become pretty much just there's a presidential address on or it's the NFL or baseball occasionally. Uh, that's pretty much it. But it's great because like that HDTV antenna, that's a one-time thing. You plug it in and you kind of forget it's there until you need it. Right. Uh, but we had the HBO Now for a while and I, I wound up turning that off. I just We just weren't. You know what? I'm going to do that too. Yeah, I, I, realized, I realized the other day that, uh, I mean, we watch it for John Oliver and Silicon Valley. Mm-hmm. We're not Game of Thrones people. Uh, and that's, what's the other thing that's on there that we watch? Um, the Affair's not on there. It's, uh, anyway, there's lots of good stuff on there, but it's like, you know what? I think that's actually the first one that I can drop. Yeah. We've been using a Hulu a lot. Hulu's the best. Hulu with no ads. I, yes, I, you know, do it. Just do it. It's worth the money. Like, we've been watching so much. Oh my God, you're not going to believe what I started watching. What? Tell me, tell me. The last, the last thing in the world, you are not going to believe what I started watching and enjoying a show called Community. Yes, I've heard wonderful things about Community. Well, you'll remember from a certain episode of, uh, you know, Roderick on the Line yeah. that John and I have never seen the show. Yeah. And now I've seen it and I love it. I think it's a delight. I think the entire cast is a complete delight. It's a very funny show. Even Chevy Chase is funny on there. No way. Yeah, it's a very good show. Um, that uh, boy, what a what a great cast. Anyway, so yeah, so hey, I'm watching a show everybody's already watched. Yeah, Yay for me. But there's so I mean, much great stuff on Netflix. They keep coming out with great stuff. Every season of Top Chef is on Netflix, or excuse me, is on Hulu. They've got they get you get the Shark Tank. You get uh, there's so much great stuff on there. If you like comedy uh, or Cartoon Network, oh my goodness, there's so much great Cartoon Networks and uh, and Adult Swim on there. The Tim and Eric Bedtime Stories is on there. There's just so much good stuff. Well, I, pre- I think we I helped pre- a lot of people this week, Dan. So. What did we cover? We covered Zentangle. Uh, we covered, uh, let's see. Oh, David it. Bowie. I'm going to talk about yeah. that. Stuart Lee. Got to check out Stuart Lee. Um, I put a uh, link in the episode to a very, very funny episode of Brass Eye called Drugs, episode two. Please uh, consider watching that. And uh, your homework is to watch uh, episode one of Stuart Lee's Comedy Vehicle for next week. And we will talk about Future Self probably next week and maybe Cable Cutting. And don't forget, uh, April 15th. April 15th. Kong, King of Kong. Apes, the children's animated series set in 2050. Uh, hmm. we'll, be, hmm. we'll be putting a new spin on a King Kong coming to Netflix. April 15th. Was that an ad? What? No. <laughs> no, I was just reading through the release dates because oh, I was wondering when House of Cards was going to come back. It's coming back on March 4th. And then I saw there it's a list of these other, other shows, including Kong, King of Kong. Apes. 
King of Apes. The children's animated series set in 2050 that puts a new spin on King Kong. He is the one who knocks. My four-year-old daughter, uh, who wears only pink, everything must be pink, everything must be a dollhouse or a doll or a pony, uh, she has found a new show that she, she has almost replaced Daniel Tiger. It is called Sophia the First. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. It's not yelling like oh, the yelling Oh, no, no, girl no. You, you, you need to get rid of whatever service you're getting that That's from. That's Netflix. Oh, brother. She finds this stuff. It's cute, but... Have you seen Sophia the First? Yes. It's better than that Casper the Ghost show. <laughs> Ugh, nothing breaks my heart or kills my spirit like walking in on Saturday morning and realizing my daughter's watched four episodes of that incredibly crappy Casper the Ghost show. Bad. No, that one's really bad. Sophia the First is rough. Uh, have you shown her Barbie on Netflix? So she's yeah, she's already there. Have you watched Barbie? Yeah, I don't care it's, for it. You're kidding. I think it's a riot. Oh, maybe it's I'm watching so fr- it. Wrong. You should watch it. It's so freaking <laughs> funny. They're really really short, and they're they're playing against the whole like Barbie thing in a like with a little, it's a little bit of irony, and it's very very funny. Can't say that for Casper. God, what was the budget for that thing? I I don't I. Do you I watch do, Gordon Ramsay shows? Do you watch the Gordon Ramsay? I have shows? watched a number of them. Do you, do you watch uh, 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 Kitchen Nightmares? Which one is the good one from the UK? Oh, the the UK Kitchen Nightmares is really good. I love that we one. Don't, I yeah. have watched the American one. I love it. I love the- My daughter's addicted to Hotel Hell now. It's the worst. <laughs> Hotel Hell, is that the one where the guy goes and sort of does the Gordon Ramsay thing and finds out what's wrong with the hotel and then fixes it? Or, that sounds like that guy, that one with the bald guy yeah. that comes in and invests in your company that's and then fixes this. it. No, that's the, the profiteer, I think it's called. Ooh. Profit man. The Avengers of Profit Boy. There's so much to watch now. Oh, man. What the hell is rough? Uh, you know there's that website, uh, Does the Dog Die? There's that website <laughs> you can go to to find out if an animal <laughs> dies in a movie before you see no it. No way! I want to do that for restaurant or for uh, Kitchen Nightmares because they're almost all closed now. And it's so depressing. Does the dog... If Jim does not find a way to deal with his chronic alcoholism and depression, this is going to run the entire business into the ground. Okay, so oh there's, there's, it looks like five levels. First one is a, a emoji, I'll call it an emoji, of a happy dog. It says, no pets die. Then there's, that it's yellow. Then there's oh, a, you're on the site. Well, brown, what's the official name of the site? Doesthedogdie.com. Okay. Then there is a frowning brown dog emoji head. A pet is injured or appears dead, but ultimately lives. Then there is a a gray and crying dog emoji. A pet dies. Now there is the shape of a dog's head with a question mark where the face would be unknown. Click to rate the film. And then there's a V verified by does the dog die staff. So I guess Uh what you're looking for is so you can just type in any movie. Well, I think that might be uh, a pretty small-time operation. So I don't know how many they got in there. I've mostly heard of the website. I haven't looked at it much. I'm going to type in Watchmen. I'm going to look up Watchmen on Kids in Mind, and we can see how you did with that, because I was just thinking the same thing. Okay, Watchmen 2009. It, it has three, three dogs. Oh, oh I, know it. I know there's one dog that has trouble. No spoilers. It has a. That's that's the that is the worst scene in the movie. That is the scene. That is the one scene in that movie where the divergence from the comic is utterly inexcusable. Which scene are you talking about? The when Rorschach goes into the guy's house. He, what that guy does in the 
comic. What, what, what was the difference there? I thought it was the same. What? Where's the throwing with the, the throwing in the windows? I can't. I really don't want to spoil the Watchmen comic for people. We'll do it after. The comic is different though. It's very different, and it is the forms the basis for how we. It's how we understand Rorschach is what he does in that comic versus what he does in that incredibly grisly scene in the movie. Gosh, because it's been so long since I read the comic that I've probably seen the movie two or three times since I read the comic. So, <laughs> on Kids in Mind, uh, Watchmen gets nine out of nine for sex and nudity. <laughs> Nine out of nine for violence and gore, <laughs> and a paltry six out of nine for profanity. Ah. Oh, boy. I, I, boy, I love this site so much. You hear Deadwood's coming back. Yeah, I've heard it before. I'll believe it once No, they re- it's, it's happening. It's happening. Believe me. This is real. The director talked about it. It's mm-hmm. going to not be for a new series. It's going to be for a, like, mo- a movie, an HBO, I guess, HBO movie, Deadwood. <sighs> to wrap everything up. There's a lot to wrap up. And... Yeah. Yeah. And, and. Uh, X-Files comes next weekend. <clears throat> I remember that show. Uh, profanity 6, about 19 F-words, one obscene hand gesture, nine sexual references, seven scatological terms, <laughs> five anatomical terms, 19 mild obscenities, name-calling like tricky dick, paranoid hippie, Nazi lunatic, retard fat, and 12 religious profanities. <laughs> and that's how they got Profanity 6 in Watchmen movie. Nobody makes people matter than Zack Snyder. Okay, let's button this up. I love you. <laughs> love you too, Merlin, man. <laughs>